What is going on? This is Seth Berger with the Defense Wins Fantasy Podcast, part of the Fantasy Hogs Podcast Network. Going through a little bit of IDP information here for you. One thing that I'm going to do tonight is we're going to talk about, you know, some of the challenges that we have ranking IDP versus, you know, standard scoring, super flex leagues, all that aspect. And then we're going to get into a little bit of the uh, post-draft ranking of my defensive linemen and linebackers going into our, you know, dynasty rookie drafts. But first off, really one question that we've gotten a lot is, hey, top 100, add in the IDP players, add in your super flex, have it all in there. When you're talking offense, you know, you can obviously mix and match with super flex, tight end premium leagues. It's very easy to kind of just adjust those rankings. Same thing with the IDP side. However you have your scoring variation set up, Very easy to understand your rankings for those players. You know, it's tough when we try to put those metrics together. And why I say that is, is that, you know, there's been standard scoring metrics for offense for years. I mean, that's where fantasy football started, you know, touchdown only. Then we added in some yardage and passing yardage and then completions and or PPR and points per rush. All these things have been kind of added, but over time. and But there's a standard, easy way to kind of click and say, hey, I'm in a PPR league. Hey, I'm in a super flex league where I got two quarterbacks. Very easy to kind of understand and the expectations set there. When we're looking at defense, it's still very, very young as far as you know fantasy is concerned. And there's a lot of variations in that scoring system. I mean, not only do you have the ability to you know, standard scoring across all positions, or you're going to have bonuses for big plays. You have deflections, you have tackle bonuses, you have maybe a D line difference tackling. Like for D tackles, they get a little bit more than D ends or linebackers because they don't have as many sack yardage, not just the sack itself, but how many yards did the team lose while you were doing that? So many different variations on, on everything that's there. And on top of that, You know, most IDP scoring systems are set up poorly for IDP players anyway. For them to be valued as high as some of the offensive players, when you're only going to get a point per tackle or a, you know, two points per a sack, they're not going to make that top 100 ranking on any of those mixed lists. You know, whether it's super flex, whether it's just standard scoring PPR, you're not going to get that with a lot of IDP players anyway in the most common scoring aspects for IDP leagues. You know, and then when we start talking about IDP leagues in general, there's so much variance on the positions themselves. Is your league defensive line, linebacker, defensive back? Or do you have DNs, D tackles, linebackers, safeties, corners? Do you have edge rushers that get a bonus for sacks and pressures and all that stuff? Do you have a punter on your team? Just kidding. Don't do that. Just don't don't do that. And if so, dibs on, uh, you know, the punt god that just got drafted to the Bills. So I'm, I'm calling dibs on that if punters ever become a thing. But I'd prefer them to never become a thing. But, yeah, so it's it's tough to to, to variate that out because you're going to have the also when you're talking about D-line, linebacker, and DB, basically your entire defense is flex positions. You know, it's just like having a wide receiver tight end flex with your D-line, you know, and then – everything else. So that makes it a challenge too, because really the way that they play is completely different. On top of that, a bunch of defenses play different schemes, but that's more comparable to offenses and that's fine. 
But when you really break it down, the easiest way to rank defensive players is alone based on their stats versus other defensive players' stats because no matter how your scoring system's set up, that will at least let the cream rise to the top. The big key is, though, and we'll talk about this on a future podcast, is how I believe IDP League's scoring should be set up. Personally, I think that we need to have value brought back to the defensive side. The whole purpose of having an IDP League is to have more players and more ability to trade different players and have value to those players. If you're going to make every single one of them scoring less points than the terrible tight end market that we have out here, that to me is an issue. So future, come back for a future episode. I'm going to break that down pretty pretty thoroughly on what I believe is, is one of the better ways to do it. And I've been doing it for over a decade. So it's been a lot of trial and error, but I feel that we have a lot of benefits and headway to go with that. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and dive into some of our defensive uh, rookie rankings post-draft. We're going to start with the D-line, and I will do just D-line, not you know D-tackle and all that, but we will do just D-line and linebackers in this draft. And starting with number one, my top-ranked guy after the draft is Kayvon Thibodeau for, for the Giants. He was drafted to the Giants. He's a freak athlete, you know, and he had consistent numbers in college of pressures and getting to the quarterback. He has that ability. He has great moves coming off the end. You know, he's going to be playing across from Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. That's a pretty strong front. And, and the team itself on offense is, let's just say, unproven, okay? You know, Kenny Galladay went there, did nothing last year. Daniel Jones, they refused to pick up his fifth-year option. They have Saquon Barkley. They did work on the offensive line a little bit, so we might see a little bit more benefits there. But Daniel Jones has been known to, to drop the ball. I mean, he just literally fumbles the ball more often than not. And so that's going to give more opportunities to defense. And that's where you got to look at it, you know. It's like, okay, so my offense can't sustain a drive. Well, guess what? That means that I'm going to have more defensive opportunities with my defensive players. Bad offenses breed good fantasy IDP players because they are on the field all the time. Works mostly, probably the best with linebackers and uh, safeties, but with a guy that defends the run like Kayvon does and can pressure the quarterback, I believe that, you know, he's going to have a, a really high ceiling, you know, when it comes to rushing the passer. He probably has the highest ceiling in this draft class when it comes to that. And so that's why I have him at number one. And with a new coaching staff, there's the opportunity that they're going to continue to build on what they've been trying to do. So the offense could get better. And I think that that's definitely a way that we're going to look at this team going forward. With that being said, I still think that he's going to be solid, consistent. Once again, a little bit more risk with this pick, absolutely. But he's got what I would consider the highest ceiling when it comes to pass rushers in this, in this draft. We start looking at number two when we're talking about Aiden Hutchinson, you know, that's now a Detroit Lion. Great story. Played at Michigan. Grew up in Michigan. Now gets to play for the Lions. A guy that's going to be passionate, going to bring passion to that city, going to bring, you know, some anger to that defense. I think that he's going to be the leader of that defense from day one coming in. And this guy's got a motor, man. It does not turn off. He will rush the passer. He will chase down the running back. He will do all those extra things that'll get you – a few more points every week. You know, he's just going to fight for it. He wants it. He's not going to stop until he gets there or until the play is over. The key, though, is he's got to have some other people around him. 
And as of now, he's kind of a lone island when it comes to that D-line. There's not a lot of talent there. They let go Trey Flowers. You know, he has been injured, but he was a guy that could take some pressure off of Hutch, and he won't have that there. But he's going to be a force against the run. He's going to be a force against the pass. And it's going to allow him to stay on the field because he's so good at both of those. And once again, because he has that motor, he's going to have some, you know, some rundown tackles and, and some sacks that are basically coverage sacks that he gets to the quarterback because he just doesn't stop. So that's a guy that, once again, probably has a higher floor than Kayvon. I don't think he'll have quite the ceiling, but he's going to be a guy that from day one you can put in your lineup and he's going to get you some points every week. He's probably not going to be a guy that goose eggs you very often just because he has that desire and that motor, as I said. Now, number three might be a little bit more, you know, unpopular opinion when it comes to uh, my rankings. I have Jermaine Johnson as number three. You know, in my opinion, he has the best shot to come in just flat out of the gates strong. Why would you say that? He's on the Jets. Yeah, he is. But here's a list of the 2022 Jets opponents this year. The Dolphins, twice, Lions, Jaguars, Bears, Steelers, and Bengals. If anybody watched football last year, that was some pretty terrible O-line play coming from all those teams. Granted, Bengals went out and tried to help out their O-line, but I'll believe it when I see it because Joe Burrow was getting killed in the playoffs. We all saw it. And pair that with playing next to Carl Lawson and Quinn and Williams, he's not going to see very many double teams. You know, short-term redraft leagues, I'd lean towards him more than even maybe Kayvon and, and Aiden. But this guy has the capacity to be a strong force in this league, fell in the draft, went to the Jets with their third first-round pick, and he went to a head coach that knows how to use defensive linemen. Robert Sala, and we trust. You know, he, he showed us what he can do and what is capable of, with the 49ers, he's building that defense out here. Hopefully, Carl Lawson comes back healthy, and that's going to be a pretty great force. Like I said, the guy is has the tools. He has the capability to be everything you want out of this. A top 10 defensive, you know, top 10 pick in the draft is where people had him going. Defensive-wise, he's a guy that has the tools to be successful. He's going to be in a position to be successful playing against some terrible offensive lines. And I think that he has an opportunity to really surprise some people this year. Looking at number four, uh, I went with George Karloftis. You know, this is a classic example of situation over talent. Trayvon Walker, yeah, he was drafted number one overall. But Trayvon Walker doesn't have Pat Mahomes throwing the football around the field. Mahomes is going to be giving that team leads, which is going to allow old Georgie boy here to pin his ears back and get to the quarterback. On top of that, That division went out and bought wide receivers and quarterbacks like they were going out of style. They're going to be passing the ball all the time in in the AFC West this year. So that arms race is going to only benefit people that are trying to get some sacks. Will will he have the the, baseline that we will see with maybe Kayvon and Aiden on a week-to-week basis? No. He might even be more of a rusher specialist starting out. But the fact of the matter is he's going to have more opportunities to rush for the passer than any of the other quarterback, uh, any of the other defensive ends that I've already talked about. So he's going to have the opportunity. And when you look at situation over talent, that bumps him up the list 
a little bit. So I look for George to be in a good pass rush position. Um, you know, most of probably mostly out of the top five. He's going to be the one that is going to have the most opportunity. He's not as talented as some of the other guys. I'll give you that. But you have to have the chance, you know. So looking at number five, this is where I finally have Trayvon Walker uh, dialing into my top five. Number one in the draft, number five on my board. Listen, the guy's a freak athlete. You know, he showed it at the Combine. What I hadn't seen, though, is the pass rush ability on tape. He has some moves. I'm not saying he's incapable of doing it. He can do it. And maybe part of that is because that Georgia defense was so stacked that there was just not enough plays to be made by by him. And he wasn't asked to do that. He stayed in his lane. He's very coachable. He's, like I said, he's got the athletic measurables to be a talented pass rusher. But until he actually shows that consistent pass rush ability, I would not take him over some of these other guys. You know, the fact of the matter is, he's, uh, to his credit, you know, he's great against the run, which will help him, you know, in the tackles department. And it's, again, it's a situation where the offense for this team is not very good or it wasn't very good last year, you know, Urban Meyer or not. It was a struggle. And as much as everybody loves Trevor Lawrence, he's got to prove it. You know, he's definitely not Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to give the leads that George Karloftis is going to enjoy going out there on defense, basically going against three three passing plays in a row. You're going to have to get the baseline points with the tackles and hope that they can uh, they can get enough pressure on the QBs to get some sacks, which once again, maybe three years from now, Trayvon Walker is the best defensive lineman in this class. I could absolutely see that happening. But as far as the ceiling on his pass rushing, until I see it, I, I have to put him a little bit lower down on the list. So that's my top five, you know, reviewing. It's Kayvon Thibodeau, number one. Aiden Hutchinson, number two. Jermaine Johnson, number three. George Karloftis, number four. And then Trayvon Walker, number five, when you're looking at IDP rankings. So we'll move into the linebackers. And as I said earlier, when you look at teams with bad offenses, it benefits linebackers probably the most. So number one on my list is Devin Lloyd, new Jaguars linebacker. You know, this is no doubt the best linebacker for IDP leagues coming out of the draft, in my opinion. He's a three-down guy. He's got great hands, and he can blitz the quarterback. He went to a bad team. Another plus there. You know, that'll have their defense on the field most of the game. They were 31st, the Jaguars were. They were 31st last year in offensive time of possession. So for more opportunities to make tackles means you have more opportunities to score points. This guy is smart. He's aggressive. He's solid in coverage. When looking at linebackers in IDP leagues, in my opinion, is to find a tackling linebacker that has a plus category, whether that category is in coverage, so he'll have more opportunities staying on the field on third down and in two-minute drills, or if it's the blitzing ability, you know, big plays, and again, you're on the field during passing downs because they want you trying to get to the quarterback, so more opportunities. Devin has pluses in both of these. He can rush the passer. He can cover linebacker. You know, he can cover the zones. He can cover man-to-man. He can do it all. These pluses will help him have that high ceiling, high four range week-to-week. I expect him to probably be in the top 15 linebackers, Scoring-wise, his rookie year. Possibly higher, 
but I would say that his his baseline is probably 15. One concern that you could have with him is that the Jags drafted Chad Mua, Muma, sorry, uh, linebacker out of Wyoming in the third round. So they got two linebackers the first three rounds. And that guy was a tackle hoss out of Wyoming. He had 129 tackles in 2021. So that's, once again, a guy that can take some opportunities away from Devin Lloyd is something to at least be aware of. And if you can't get your hands on Devin Lloyd, go ahead and watch a little bit of tape on Chad and see if uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to get on the field early. He's not in my top five, but he's somebody I'm keeping an eye on, that's for sure. Number two is Nakobe Dean. He went to the Eagles. Now let me be clear. There are some, some injury noise rumors around him right now, and that's why they believe he fell in the draft. So do your homework on these rumors before your draft. You don't want to get a guy that basically can't play this year. You know, and although he's undersized, this guy flies around with reckless abandon. He is a tough guy that, you know, he'll gut it out for the sake of the team, which might be why he hurt his draft stock a little bit. Uh, and he went to a great landing spot. You know, the Eagles haven't needed a line, have needed linebacker help Oh, my God, for years and years and years. And, you know, they refused to draft him early. So the fact that they were able to get a guy with this much talent in the third round is really a match made in heaven. You know, because why draft a linebacker when you can draft, you know, Jalen Rager in the first round? So, you know, Dean's fall to the third round worked out well for both of them. The risk, uh, you know, some of the risks that come with George uh with Dean is that he had a phenomenal line in front of him at Georgia and that could have been why he was so available to get the tackles and make the big plays but lucky for him Jordan Davis was also drafted by the Eagles so he's going to be playing behind the same guy he did in college and that guy will is just a space monster you know he just takes up so much he's, he's like Lodi Nada and the and the Kobe could be um, Ray Lewis behind him. It's not to the saying that he's going to be Ray Lewis. I'm just saying that having the guy up front that's taking up two blockers allows you to shoot the gap and make the play on the on the running back. It's something that's going to be very, very beneficial for Nakobe, and he'll already know the tendencies of the D-tack in front of him, so there'll be less of a learning curve. Once again, the this is one concern I have, is that the Eagles' offense was a little bit slower, especially the back half of 2021. They did a lot more of the run-first offense, and they were focused on that. So that could give less opportunities for Nakobe on the on the field. But all in all, it should be a really, really big win uh, for Dean. And the fact of the matter is, is that they traded for A.J. Brown, and he's really good at one-play touchdowns. So it'll help him get a little bit more on the field, and hopefully the Eagles are a little bit more explosive on offense coming into this year. My third linebacker, ranking that I have is Quay Walker for the Packers. Second Georgia linebacker on this list. Although drafted in front of N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, I have him sitting at, at third. Um, he has prototypical size and speed. Man, 6'4", 240. He's, uh, he can handle incoming blockers and will be able to see over the trenches for coverage. You know, he never had the production that Dean had in college, and the Packers are taking the approach that his, elect, his athletic profile is too good to pass up on. And I, I tend to agree with them. I think that he's going to be a very stout running back. Now, with the Packers bringing back DeAndre Campbell, 
it's going to slow Quay's availability or, you know, being an every down linebacker right off the bat. And he'll be in a position to succeed though long term. But the real question is that is his, you know, prototypical size, speed, and all that, is it going to be, you know, all flash and no substance when it gets to the NFL? I don't think so. But I also think that him being a first round draft pick will probably push him up in your in your drafts to a point where I might look in a different direction. Like I said, if if somebody's gonna take Quay Walker and a round later I can get Nicobe Dean, I like the fit better with Dean, I like the player better, and I, I liked I'm more comfortable with that situation because he had the measurables as far as statistics go in college. He was undersized, sure, but so was Zach Thomas, and he had a pretty good career. Now, number four on my list might take some people by surprise, and that's okay. So before everybody starts saying who, my guy is Troy Anderson out of Montana State. He was drafted in the third round by the Falcons after registering 96 tackles, three sacks, and two picks this last year for Montana State. He stands up at a 6'3", 243, and runs a 4'4", 240. He's uh, probably the most versatile player, at least athlete, in this draft. And I say that because this dude was playing linebacker, was playing running back, playing quarterback at the collegiate level. He's an explosive athlete that will benefit from, you know, a singular focus going forward where he's just focusing on all the ability to be a great linebacker. He's coming into a situation where he can play his way onto the field very quickly. In a weaker interior slash 4-3 linebacker class, Troy Anderson, in my opinion, is a guy that can really make some noise. I like to compare him to this year's Logan Wilson. Not necessarily that their game shapes up, but a guy that was a small school guy that not a lot of people in your leagues are looking at or reviewing that you might be able to steal and have a really nice player on your team. Once again, Falcons offense. Falcons offense bad, more benefits for the defense. My fifth and final linebacker is Christian Harris from Alabama. He's drafted to the Houston Texans in the third round. His best asset is his coverage ability. Uh, What I like about him most is the ability to keep him on the field because he can cover, as a linebacker, can cover tight ends, can cover slot wide receivers, can cover running backs coming out of the backfield. He's got that speed and he's got that ability. You know, he's he's into a position, though, that's not as beneficial as some of the ones we've already talked about, even though they got rid of Zach Cunningham last year. They still have Christian Kirksey, and they still have um, Kamu uh, Grujahil, who signed a one-year deal this offseason to stay with the team. So that that's probably his in is there, is that he might be able to take over playing time later in the, in the year. But he's not going to be a day-one starter. He's, you know, both those guys were really good linebackers for them last year, and they're going to they're gonna stick with that because Lovey Smith was a D coordinator. He likes those guys. It's going to be one of those transitions maybe back half of the year. He starts getting more playing time and get is a little bit more of a comfort person that you're able to, to put in there on a weekly basis and know that you're going to get some, some points scored. But once again, both those guys are a little bit up in age. And, uh, and Hill doesn't have the long-term contract. He just signed a $4 million deal this year, so it's not big money either. Now, albeit his 2021 film was a little bit underwhelming at times, there's no doubt that he's got the talent to be an impactful 
IDP player, you know, going into the future. With that being said, that's kind of all I've got for you guys today. Um, I appreciate you guys following along with me and any feedback on what you guys think. If you think that uh, I'm completely off my rocker with some of my picks, let me hear about it. I'd love to hear your takes on some of these uh, guys in this draft class. Going forward, like I said, I'll uh, continue to update some more of the draft class IDP players that uh, have caught my eye, as well as really going into this year's rankings. And as I said earlier in the podcast, uh, one thing I really want to do is kind of really talk about if you're starting up an IDP league, where do you go first? It's It can be overwhelming. It can be challenging. And I'm here to help you guys kind of go through that path. I've had to do it myself. Didn't have a lot of information out there, so I'm happy to share that information going forward. But that's all I've got for now, and I will see you guys next week. This podcast has been presented by the Fantasy Holics Podcast Network.